0: I had a picture of God, that he was someone that you had to be scared of, he was angry all the time, he followed you around with this little clipboard, (laughs) he was watching you, and he was going to see every little mistake that you made, and he was writing it down so that he could punish you, and the punishment was going to be swift and severe. And so, first of all, you couldn't mess up. No mistakes allowed.
1: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast (laughs) hosts. And today we have a story from Mary K. Yu in Katy, Texas, that I think is so relatable Absolutely. to any yeah. woman listening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think just because we live in a society where, where you want to earn things and you want to be recognized, we kind of take that uh, mindset into our relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I love that she calls herself, you know, the time I became a Pharisee. You're going to hear about what a Pharisee is. You're going to know that for sure. But you're also just going to see how she changed in her relationship mm-hmm. with God, going basically from religion to relationship. And that's really what Storytellers is all about.
3: So I love, I love her story and you're going to too. Before Mary Kay's story, we do want to remind you summer is coming and we want to keep in touch with you. So make sure you're following us on all the social channels at Storytellers Live Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And then also you can go to our website at StorytellersLive.org and click on the banner at the very top. Sign up for our email. We're only going to be sending one a month, giving you a preview of all our podcasts for the summer. So stay in touch with us. Here's Mary Kay.
0: Um, I grew up... I was born in a little town in North Texas called McKinney, Texas. I don't know, if you know where that is. It's a little bit north of Dallas. At the time where it, when I was born, it was a little tiny town. Um, now it's more of a suburb of Dallas, uh, kind of like Katie's, a suburb of Houston. Um, at the time I was born, I was born there in the hospital in McKinney. And I actually live in a little tiny town outside of, Te- uh, outside of McKinney, even smaller than McKinney. Uh, my parents, my dad was a dairy farmer, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Neither one of them had grown up in Christian homes. Their families did occasionally go to church, but I wouldn't say that they grew up in Christian homes. Um, My mom was a Christian. Um, She did go to church regularly, but my dad was not a Christian. My mom would go to church every Sunday, and then in between what we would call Sunday school um, and church service, she would go home every Sunday and see if my dad was ready to go to church with her. He would not be ready to go to church with her, and then she would drive back and go to church service. One Sunday, when he was out working on the dairy farm, he hit his head. I don't know how he hit his head. He hit it hard enough that it knocked him out cold. He was unconscious. And when he came to, he thought, I think I'm going to church today. I prefer to think of it as God knocked him silly. And he you know, finally knocked some sense into my dad. And so when my mom got home that day, my dad was dressed and ready to go to church. And he kept going to church. And God saved him. Um, he accepted Jesus as a Savior, and then God kept going. And my dad eventually did what we call a Southern Baptist. We know he surrendered his life to full-time uh, ministry. He became a pastor. Um, at the time, he was pastoring little small churches around North Texas, and they didn't pay enough to uh, support a family. So he would pastor those churches. He was their full-time preacher. Uh, but he also had a job um, working full-time during the week. He was working at an architectural firm um, as a draft person. So he was working two full-time jobs. Um, and then he was also, just for fun, going in, uh, to Dallas Baptist College and earning his psychology degree being a dad. So he was, you know, he was gone a lot, doing a lot of different things. My mom was being a stay-at-home mom, uh, being a pastor's wife. And we were just little kids. I had an older sister, me in the middle, and then I had a younger sister. We lived in a lot of different places. I think I lived in six or seven places by the time I was in third grade, all in and around that North Texas area. We served as a host family for a Butner home, a boys' ranch. I know we lived in at least two church parsonages, the homes that they have for preachers, families. Uh, One of the churches at the Baptist Church in McKinney, Texas. When I was in first grade, is where I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and that's where I was baptized. And I remember that very distinctly. The reason I tell you all of these details is because I want you to know I was raised in a home where we talked about the Bible, we talked about Jesus. We went to church every day. The church was open. I went to Girls in Action which was a girls' missionary group. I sometimes had to go to Royal Ambassadors, which was a boys' group because my mom was teaching the boys' group. We did every offering there was. We did every mission project there was. We did everything. From the outside, we were a strong Christian family. But I will tell you, you can grow up in that environment, and you can be religious, but you cannot be Christian. You can be religious and not have the faintest clue about the true nature of God, and that's who I was. By the age of eight, nine years old, my concept of who God was was very firmly ingrained in me. And I had two very different pictures. They were kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but they were totally wrong. One then was that God was a very demanding God. But I had a picture of God, that he was someone that you had to be scared of, He was angry all the time. He followed you around with this little clipboard. (laughs) He was watching you. And he was going to see every little mistake that you made. And he was writing it down so that he could punish you. And the punishment was going to be swift and severe. And so, first of all, you couldn't mess up. No mistakes allowed. And if you did mess up, you better hide it. You couldn't let him see it. The other picture I had of God was that he loved me, but not enough to get involved. That he was too busy taking care of other people's problems. Their problems were bigger, more important, and if I needed him to get involved, I needed it. I needed a pretty urgent problem, or I needed to be pretty special. I needed to earn his love. You can see in both pictures of that, they seem like complete opposites, but the common thread is that I had to earn I had to earn anything that I needed from my father, and that is not who God is. But that is what I took from a very early age: is that that is who God is. And I kind of jokingly call this the time that I became a little Pharisee. And if you don't know what a Pharisee is, and the time is Jesus, God gave us the law um, for several reasons. He gave us the law to convict us of our need for Him. The idea that we can't can't fulfill, we can't be righteous on our own, we can't be perfect on our own, that we have a great need for him. He gave us the law to know how to live a relationship with him. He gave us the law so that we would know how to live a relationship with each other. But the Pharisees came along, they were the religious leaders at the time of Jesus. They came along, they wanted power. They wanted to be important. And so they started adding all these extra rules to the law. So many rules, so many rules, not about God, but about man. And I became this little eight-year-old Pharisee. And I believed all those extra rules, all those extra rules, had to be, had to be higher, faster, smarter, prettier, funnier. No mistakes. No mistakes. Perfect. I went all the way through my elementary school years, my junior high years, my high school years, and that is who I thought I had to be. I had to earn anything. And God certainly wasn't trustworthy. He certainly wasn't trustworthy. I couldn't trust Him to protect me. I couldn't trust Him to love me. Anything I needed from Him, I had to earn. I was going to let my little light shine. You know, know that song, Let Your Little Light mm-hmm. Shine? But I was going to do it on my own, it was going to be on my own power, and I did everything I could on the outside. I looked like a great Christian, but I was doing it all on my own power. By the time I was a senior in high school, I had my first real battle with clinical depression because, ladies, you can't do it, you cannot do it. I had a suicide attempt, I still don't know how God saved me. I'm over in this room. We have friends who've not survived suicide attempts. And we have friends with children who have not survived. I don't know why God saved me from that. I don't. I struggle with anorexia and polemia. Because I thought i would be perfect. I don't know why God saved me from that. Many of you know my cancer survivor. I will tell you I love my cancer being in by clinical depression. I don't know how I came out of that spin my senior year of high as I know it was by grace, I know part of it was simply the fact that high school ended. And I got a fresh start in college with new friends, uh, new habits, new opportunities. And um, for a while the little Pharisee could back off and uh, relax for a while, but it didn't take long. College, I think. I, I didn't have as much of that in in me, but uh, my husband and I got married, moved to Houston, started new jobs. We did like four of life's top ten stressors in about six weeks. <laughs> I do not recommend that to anyone. And I started working at a place, I started working at this great public relations firm. And uh, if you ever want uh, your children to become Pharisees, have them go work at a PR firm. It is a great place to learn how to work for rewards. Um, it's a great place to uh, learn, and not every place. A lot of it depends on your boss. Um, but, man, that place was the perfect fit for the little Pharisee. Harder, faster, smarter, prettier, funnier. I was working 80 hours a week, and I got rewarded for it. Promotions, money, uh, glamorous clients, fun things to do. Uh, It was eating my soul. At the same time, we had become members at Second Baptist Church, the Woodway campus. I was doing the same thing at church and being rewarded for it. Get involved, they give you more stuff to do. (laughs) If you're good at it, you get more stuff. Right? I kept telling myself I was doing it for Jesus. I was doing it for the kingdom. I wasn't doing it for him. I was doing it because people were telling me I was good at it. I was doing it all for me. At the age of 27, I found myself in the doctor's office with heart palpitations, not able to breathe, hooked up to an EKG machine. And the doctor said, I think we need to do something about this. My other, my ob Jen, we wanted to start a family. And she said, there's there's nothing wrong with you except stress. I think, you know, you, you probably need to do something about your job. And so Leeway and I decided that I would quit the job that I was at, and um, I would start my own consulting firm where I could control the number of clients that I had, the number of hours that I worked, and that's what we did. And about eight months later, I was pregnant. I was right. Stress had a lot to do with it. Um, Also, you know, being home had a lot to do with it. And and so I was home eight months later. We were pregnant. Had a little girl. Less than a year later, I was pregnant again. I was like, "What are you doing?" I have this is not my plan. God's like, "Well, it's my plan, not to?" And um, so we had a little boy, and um, they were 19 months apart. And I'm I don't even remember the first year of my son's life. I know it happened because I'm in the picture. <laughs> I'm like, "This is crazy." And I'm still trying to run my consulting business. I'm trying to be a full-time mom. And I am in full-on Pharisee mode, because now I'm not just trying to let my little light shine. If you have ever heard the phrase, burning the candle at both ends, honey, this is what I was doing. <laughs> if you have looked that phrase up in the dictionary, this was me. <laughs> the candle is running out, y'all. And did any of y'all watch Lost in Space when you were growing up, but with the robot? And the robot's like, danger, danger. danger, danger, danger." God was being so gracious to me. And he was telling me, he was sending me all these signs like, danger, danger. And I'm like, I've got it, I've got it, don't worry. No, I did not have it. And that little candle went, boop, and it was out. It was done. And I remember the day that it was done. I worked in the morning, I got Daniel from our nanny, and it was Grace's field day in kindergarten. And it was hot, it was hot, we were both sweating, I don't think, this might be a reason Daniel called me about the toothpaste, but I don't think that Daniel walked by himself on his own two feet until he he was (laughs) like, I carried carry him over to her field day, and we were both sweating, his little face is being red. And we watch Grace's field day, and we get back in the car, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have the worst headache. I have the worst headache. So I take some Advil, I try to go to sleep, sleep it off. Two weeks later, I still have that headache. Mm-hmm. 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 Wait till you hear how long I have that headache. My husband convinces me to go to the doctor. They run all these tests, put me on all this medication, Nothing happens, except that I get addicted to the medication mm-hmm. while they're trying to figure out what is going on with me, and then I have to get unaddicted to the medication, and months later I still have the headache, only there's nothing physically wrong with me, finally I break out of a rash, and I'm like, oh, it's shingles from stress, but now we've started this whole cascade of other things that go wrong with me. I have TMJ, where I've been clenching my teeth because the pain is so bad. I've started an, another whole immunosystem problem. I've been holding my neck like this because the pain is bad. I've frozen the muscles in my neck. I have to start physical therapy so that I can lean my head back this way. I mean, it was a nightmare. I started having migraines. I had to wear sunglasses everywhere because I couldn't, the light bothered my eyes so much. I was having panic attacks. I couldn't drive myself anywhere. I couldn't cook. I couldn't feed my kids. My biggest decision that I could make was, am I going to lay in bed all day or am I going to lay on the sofa all day? Mm. Success for me was brushing my teeth. Mm. So the little Pharisee who had to earn mm. everything could not do anything. Mm. Nothing. I had to rely on everyone else to do everything in my life. The only thing that God allowed me to be able to do was read my Bible. And let me tell you, I was reading this desperately because my entire life I had been told that this book was a handbook, a rule book, a, guide, a guidebook, a road map, a toolkit. This book was how I was going to get out of the mess I was in. I was going to read this book and find out what I could do to make God fix me. And I could read. That's all I could do. Brush my teeth, walk back and forth between the bed and the sofa, and read this. So I'm reading this desperately, trying to figure out how I can get God to fix me. What I need to do to get him to fix me. And I'm doing this Bible study by Beth Moore called Believing God. And I come across this verse one day. It says, without faith it is impossible to please him. And I'm like, oh no. I don't have any faith. How am I going to lose him? And even worse, I can't manufacture anything. Like I'm a I'm a zero. Wait, empty, you know, zip. Nothing. I don't have any and I can't make any. And I went into a full-blown depression, nervous breakdown, had to go to the counselor and get medication. <laughs> I mean it was bad. It was bad. And then God graciously kept opening my eyes and said, it's okay. You don't have to have your own faith. First Corinthians, faith is a gift that I give to you through the Holy Spirit. What? Mm-hmm. My God. Really? It's a gift? Galatians 5, faith is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I don't manufacture faith. It's a gift that he gives to me so that I can be pleasing to him. Like, my mind is completely blown. Like, I don't have to, oh, all those verses about faith, not works, those are making sense now. I don't have to earn this. And then I have tried to memorize Romans 4 before in another Bible study, and I could not have a lot of me. I am. I have like a almost a photographic memory. I can memorize anything. In, like, junior high, we had to memorize the Gettysburg Address. I memorized it in, like, six minutes. and went and memorized it, and my history teacher was, like, shaming everyone. (laughs) I was embarrassed. I was like, don't tell them I already memorized it. I had, like, a photographic memory. I could just memorize stuff like that. Okay, I could not memorize Romans 4 because it didn't make any sense to me. And then I was like, Romans 4? I get it now. It says that uh, Abraham trusted God and God credited it to him as righteousness. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, oh my gosh. So you are following me around with a clipboard. <laughs> but you're not writing down all the times I mess up so you can punish me. You're writing down all the times I trust you so that you can reward me. You are not who I thought you were. And I had that headache from 2005 to 2011. Constantly. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People would be like, my friends who knew that I had a headache, they would be like the man on the, the cellular commercial. would be like, do you have a headache now? Do you have a headache now? I'm like, yes, I've always had a headache. Um, but he used that time to pour out grace and love and mercy there were so many things that I could not do for myself, and he was so generous to me you all. Um, there were days, there was a whole stretch of days where I didn't have anyone who could drive my kids, and the only way that they could get home from school was walk. And I'm like, if it rains, I can't them up. we have a drought. And I'm like, is this isn't my headache. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, don't like I wish that I could tell you like when God made this, this change in my life and this change in my viewpoint of who he was that we could go dot 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 and they lived happily ever after but that is not the case because all those stories that Kira said can you talk about this and I was like all those stories happened after 2011 uh, my dad had cancer he had a massive heart attack they called us and said he needed to get to the hospital he may not make it Um, He did make it, we didn't know at the time if he would. My mother-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. um, Did I say my mother? My My Mm -hmm. mother-in-law. She's in the end stages of Alzheimer's right now. Um, My older sister, who grew up with juvenile Mm -hmm. diabetes, um, passed away a few years ago. Um, The last year of her life was horrendous. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that to you? Um, most of y'all know I'm a cancer survivor, hooray, right? the headache ended, and like a year later I was diagnosed with cancer, and I had a double mastectomy, chemo, I had like five surgeries in seven months, and while we were in the midst of that, my husband's former business partner basically tried to swindle us out of the business, and we were going through a lot of legal things while I was going through chemo. Um, my husband, while we were, you know, all this money was going out to medical bills. My husband was not getting paid. We had to freeze the assets of the company. Um, he didn't get paid for a year and a half. We had to empty out all of our savings accounts, our retirement account. We had to do a second mortgage on our home. Um, and it ended with us having to shut that business down and start over a new company. Um, and we eventually had to sell our house, the one here in Seven Meadows. Crazy, crazy stuff, bro that all blessings, because they came through God's hand. And I knew that they came through God's hand. And I knew that I could trust him to handle it. The place that he has us right now, um, I've been talking to some of you guys about it today. We're moving to Dallas, some of you guys already know that. Our company that we had to start over again has grown enough that we are able to open a second office in Dallas. Um, My husband is the one who's going to run that office. And so we're moving after 31 years in Houston. We'll be moving to Dallas here pretty soon. That's all God. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little panicky about getting the house ready to sell. And so I, I'm like have to have my list of things I have to do. So this is my little Kara. This is yeah, we get we each other. <laughs> and so this is my little list. It says house prep, and it's, it's like organized out by the weeks. I'm like two weeks behind now, and it has all the things I have to do. And then over here, like handwritten, are the things that I've thought of since I started. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. This is freaking me out. And this weekend, I had a migraine for the first time in years. And I'm like, it's stress. I'm like, we had to shut the curtains. The light was bothering me. No TV. I was like, don't cook anything. The smell is going to bother me. I'm like, I can't do all this. I cannot do all this. I can't. We have a goal of having a house on the market in a few weeks. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. So Monday after work, I'm laying on the sofa. I'm like, Oh, my head still hurts. And my husband brings this little note to me, and he found it like curled, you know, folded up, rolled up on our front door handle. I'm like, "What is this?" He says, "Just read it." And so I open it up and I read it. It says, "Leeway Murray Kay, if you truly are leaving us here on Oxbow to follow your dreams," I'm like, "They're not (laughs) dreams. Alison, we would like the opportunity to talk with you about buying your beautiful home. Give us a call anytime your neighbors, Joe and Mary. I'm like, God, you are so funny. All along, I've been worried about this list, my to-do list, the things I have to do. And over here, he's like, I'm already taking care of it. When are you going to learn I'm like, I don't know these people are going to buy my house. I don't know. But I thought, isn't that a crazy reminder? Mm-hmm. It's not about the things I have to do. It's about the things he has already taken care of. And the things that he is going to take care of for me. And then yesterday, I mean, I was already preparing to show you all the difference, right? Did any of y'all catch the name of my neighbors? Mary and Joe. Mary and mm-hmm. So... <laughs> and I'm like, drop the nose, that is my Avogadro. Oh my goodness, because those are cheesy. He wasn't saying, I've got it covered. He's saying, turn your little blanking eyes on Jesus. He said, when are you going to learn? So that's what I want to tell you today, ladies. Your past, whatever it is, turn your eyes on Jesus. Whatever it is today, turn your
3: I love that Mary Kay ended with Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which is personally one of my favorite hymns of all time. And just no matter what comes at you, you know, before she started recording, she actually said, I've got a lot of different stories. And man, does she? Right. I mean, just everything that she experienced. But but I think I related most to her growing up in, quote, The Good Baptist Home. Mm-hmm. Yes, I too went to Girls in Action. <laughs> I can talk about it. As I can did talk I. about Royal yes. Ambassadors. We yes. know these things. And, and just about... Not really, I, I know God, I know about God, mm-hmm. but do I know God? Mm-hmm. Have I experienced his character? Do I know him? At Storytellers, you know, we talk about moving women from religion to relationship. Mm-hmm. That's one of our values. And so I love just seeing Mary Kay evolve to truly having a faith of her own. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think it's so easy when you know about God. You you've read the books, mm-hmm. you've read the Bible, you've grown up knowing all about him it's so easy to fall into this trap of, well, then this is all there is. And then I'm I'm carrying the rest of this all by myself. Mm-hmm. Now it's up to me. I know all about him. And like you just said, at her transformation from knowing about God to knowing God was so profound. I think, you know, she mentioned
2: the Beth Moore Bible study that Honestly, I think we've had several storytellers talk so about do. that Bible I study. To to I know I was one that spoke about it. In that Bible study, you know, Beth Moore just takes this concept of do you believe in God or do you believe God? Mm-hmm. And there's such a difference there. We can all day long believe in God, but when it comes to our life choices and our decisions and how we're reacting, It's are we believing God in this situation? Another thing that Mary Kay spoke about, too, is that I can so relate to is, you know, life is not about seeing what you've done for God. So often we just think, I said at the beginning of the story, we just want to achieve for Him. We need to earn His favor. And it's really more about sitting back and looking and seeing what God has done for us. And it's in the remembering of what God has done for us that we see Him in our present.
3: And as women, we've talked about this before, the treadmill of performance. (laughs) I have to perform Mm -hmm. for God. And I really thought it was interesting that her mindset, and again, we could talk personality all day long, Enneagram, et cetera, (laughs) but no mistakes allowed. Mm -hmm. Like, if I got to earn it. I got to earn it. Got to work hard. Got to work hard. mm -hmm. It is up to me. Burn the candle at both ends. Honestly, that's how I
2: viewed God Mm -hmm. all throughout my teens and my 20s. -hmm. And it's why I didn't want a relationship with him. That's right. Because I was like, gosh, I I can never earn your favor because I can never be good enough. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, you know, the age of 32, God showed me Mm -hmm. who he really was. And that's Mm -hmm. what he did with Mary Kay
1: and her story as well. Absolutely. Because you try and try and do all the right things and you work so hard, you get sick. She talks about that. She worked herself into... Migraines and being on the couch and depression and illness. For, you, that's what your body does that's right. when you work so hard and you don't give anything up achieving and striving. We, we I just, underestimate
3: the link between our physical health and our spiritual mm-hmm. health, but yes. there's definitely one. Yeah.
1: You know, I, th- I just think as women, that's. That her whole story is so applicable. You may not have pushed that hard, <laughs> you may not have strived that hard, but you might. Um, but I think we could all see bits and pieces of our lives in Mary Kay's mm-hmm. story. So I'm so thankful that she was willing to share and just be so honest and vulnerable about about all that she walked through. One of the things that stuck out to us as a team that we've talked about was when Mary Kay said that faith is a gift that the Lord gives, that God gives through the Holy Spirit. And so I just challenge all of us today, even the three of us sitting at this table, to take that faith as a gift and to release all the the striving and the doing, just release that and let the Lord walk us through this. So thank you so much for listening today. We hope that you have loved her story, that there's one part that just really has stuck with you that you'll be able throughout the rest of this week to think back on and reflect on. Have a great week and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Oh, oh,